Okay. Um, this is so exciting. We're so excited. Uh, you know, we've done the sports romance episode a number of times. Twice, right? Before, Twice. Before Jen. Yeah. And, um, you know, so we've had a lot to say about, you know, sports and balls and sports balls. Um, and But this time we're going to do it right because we asked Jessica Luther, sports expert, investigative journalist, author, podcaster, um, who has worked extensively on the intersection of sports and gender and also specifically gendered violence. Um, and fun fact is a big romance reader. And I know Jessica from long before her book, uh, Unsportsmanlike Conduct and Loving Sports, um, because you have been a historical romance reader and we met that way. So welcome, Jessica Luther. Thank you so much. To I'm Mates. so thrilled. I'm so thrilled to be here. Thank you. <laughs> we are so excited because you are also, you have had, you are no longer doing Burn It Down, right? Yeah, I did Burn It All Down, which was a feminist sports podcast with four of my friends. It was five women co-hosting. And we did that for about five and a half years. We went on hiatus a year ago and we're still technically on hiatus. <laughs> There's some behind the scenes things happening, but the podcast ended about a year ago. But there's a lot of good stuff in that back catalog. We, I think we did a lot of good analysis within sports. If that's something that your listeners are interested in, you can find a lot of good like feminist sports stuff there. And also, I, I mentioned that you're a writer, but your second book, which is Loving Sports When They Don't Love You Back... Uh, Dilemmas of the Modern Sports Fan is really fascinating because it is all about, like, in a lot of ways, how to be a woman who loves sports. Yeah, how to be a marginalized person and love sports. Like, I'm sure that we'll get into this about why I love sports romance novels as someone who also criticizes sports all the time. Um, but it's just... It can be so difficult to sort of break into a sports space because they're so manufactured. They're created to be exclusive. Um, and we could certainly talk about this with Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. I, feel I was like going to say, like, <laughs> it feels like the perfect week a perfect to be talking example, about this. Yeah, of the way that men in particular freak out when, you know, white men in particular freak out when anyone tries to enter the sports space and and be there in any kind of way um forget a serious way and so yeah the book is very much about like the issues that you face i like really had this like in my face very recently in a real way which is so my husband is a huge sports fan we live in chicago and we are skeezing ticket holders to the chicago sky so this is like the wnba is the the like the sports i like we you know we went to 20 games this year and it was awesome the season before we just went to five games and like we just loved it so much that i was like let's just do more of this and then the year before when they won we actually were at the game when they won like i came home and it was kind of like Daryl, did you know the Chicago Sky were in the WNBA finals? And he was like, he's kind of like, I don't, you know, he's a big basketball guy, but he hadn't followed the WNBA at that point. And he, he was like, wait, they have Candace Parker. I mean, she's like a superstar. So we 
went to this game and it was this amazing experience. And I am just like, it changed me. Like, I, I'm a huge WNBA fan. I don't really understand basketball, but I love watching women be awesome. Right. So we go to these games and it's like been this great experience. And then for my for his birthday, because he's a huge Raiders fan, we talked about maybe going to a game in Vegas. We used to live in Oakland. We were Raiders season tickets holders for a while. And it was really funny because I went to a couple games. He went to all of them. And it was like this thing where every time he went to a Raiders game, he would come home and tell me about a fight he witnessed. And I was like, look, I love the Raiders. Like, I'm a fan. no appeal to that. I love the fight, right? But so anyway, I haven't been to like a a men's professional game in a really long time, but I bought him the Bears um, Raiders ticket. So this is last weekend. And immediately I was like, this is a very different vibe from the WNBA. And this woman was sitting next to me. Like we just bought tickets off like StubHub or whatever. And they had like six season tickets. So it's like four behind her. And then she and her son's girlfriend are sitting next to me. And she was like, she's like, it's a lot of angry men. Like she's like, it's just like a lot of anger because they're not having a very good season. They didn't end up winning that game. And I was floored. I'd sort of forgotten that the vibe of being a fan in a men's sports space is so much different than the vibe of being a WNBA fan. And I was like, I, I think I'm done. I'm just going to stick with the WNBA now forever. I'm good. Yeah, that makes so much sense to me. I mean, so many people love sports because there's an emotional yeah. journey and then eventually some kind of catharsis, whether it's a high or a low. Uh and that's part of what, and the, but no stakes. Like there's no material difference to your actual life and your ability to live based on whatever the outcome is. You wouldn't is. believe that necessarily. From the way I grew up in, in Patriots country and Red Sox country. <laughs> and like when things win, when you win a major thing, like cars get flipped. Like it's yeah. crazy yeah. out there. But that's what you can put all the emotion into it because the actual outcome doesn't materially affect your ability to like pay rent and like live most of the time unless you're like gambling my goodness uh but yeah so you get so much emotion and men often get real angry when they're in groups together like that's the that's the one that comes through i to this day like when i go to women's sporting events i almost well i mean i cry about everything let's just be clear but i will cry at the beginning of most of those events because I'm just so thrilled that this is like a thing I'm able to attend and be a part of and see like growing up I was born in 1980 I'm very tall I'm six feet tall can't tell that um especially for listeners uh and like I played middle school basketball I was not good at it which was why I say specifically middle school basketball because I stopped there but uh you it was so hard to like be a fan of women's basketball like my parents had bought me a giant coffee table book of just pictures. And I assume it had text that went with it. But what I remember are the pictures of women playing basketball, collegiate basketball. And I would just flip through that because like that was the thing that I had. And so I still get emotion. Like I, my emotions tied to being able to watch women play sports are just so different than like what I myself would carry into a men's sporting event. If I, I guess I go to men's soccer. We have a men's soccer team here now, a professional one. And next season will be season ticket holders but even that's different because they're constructing that fandom like from the ground up it's a very different kind of thing um which is part of why i'm willing to participate in it because i'm with you jen like you get in those spaces and you're like oh well nope Mm, yeah (laughs) i was like not for me well and my husband's really fascinated with this very tall man who plays for the spurs when when 
Yeah, whatever. I, I don't remember. You guys, I'm sorry. I'm like sports people. And I was like, well, maybe we could go see the Spurs play the Bulls. Like maybe that would be fun. And I was like, well, hold on. How much are these tickets? And in these, t-? and I was just oh, like, oh, are they really just, nuts? oh, yeah, like insane. And I was like, you know what? I just don't, I did not have a good enough time at this Bears game to want to go to like a Bulls game. You know what I mean? It was just really interesting. I was kind of like, I, I really, it was a, a shocking kind of experience to be like, oh, this is why I love going to the sky. One of the interesting things that they find when they look at women's participation in sport, girls and women's participation in sports, is that there's often a pretty high participation within grade school, right? Because we have Title IX in the U.S. Most girls in some way are interacting with sports. A lot of them like it. A lot of them will play. Uh, And that starts to fall off when they go into college and then especially once they're out of college, even as fans. Uh, And I think, Jen, you're like, part of that is exactly what you're talking about. They, they're like, wait a second, this is not the sporting culture that I was a part of. I don't actually want to participate in this. I'm not, I'm clearly not included, right? We're not idiots. Like we know when we go there that we're not. Like we're they'll the, sell a pink bulls jersey or whatever, but yeah, it's not really yeah. for me. Yeah. Uh, and so you see this like steep drop off in like women's sports fandom as they get older. Uh, and I think like when I was thinking about sports romance novels uh and why people like them so much this was one of the reasons i think because it allows you a way in that feels safer Mm. uh like a world that's been constructed specifically for us as readers that is often a totally different culture than what we actually experience in real life in relationship to sports that might be closer to what we imagine or what we remember from our past but even if it's not it's at least some kind of safer sporting culture that we get to that that's true for me <laughs> like that is smart. yeah yeah like I, I absolutely recognize that like when i'm working on terrible pieces about abuse in in sports like my refuge is reading about really nice people in sports <laughs> who love and care for each other right right <laughs> and yeah, you're right. like i don't even care this is real <laughs> and so yeah it's like there's a way in as the reader but also like teamwork is really valued right like people do the right thing like we have a we had a really interesting conversation with the um jane ann krentz who pointed out that like in genre fiction people are called upon to do the right thing so you know if there's some sort of like dilemma about like the team or you know someone's a bad guy on the team like they're gonna do the right thing like that's so it's a way of just like sort of reading almost like this kind of fairy tale like experience and it's also like as you said like it doesn't matter if you don't know the rules Right. Mm-hmm. Like the book is going to teach you what you need to know about the play as it relates to the character. Right. And their performance, not necessarily as it relates to like the experience of the crowd or like the shame or anger or like any of those other things. Well, and it it also Jessica mentioned stakes, right? The appeal of sports in general is this sort of sense of like, you know, the old battle, the like, you know, Roman gladiator (laughs) shit. And so you feel like there are stakes in the sport, but romance is really the it's the literature of stakes in a lot of ways, like Hmm. stakes on every level. And so as so it feels like intuitive that as readers as romance readers, people who understand the genre intuitively, we are drawn to books that are about where the the characters have stakes are are you know having emotional stakes, and they are about 
something that also has, you know, a really concrete external stake. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think one of the most obvious places for sports is sports romance novels are doing work against the sports culture is whenever you have um, a gay romance in sports where they're both players, right? Like, um, we could certainly talk about Katie Casey's baseball books. Um, But and, and a lot of them are like these men working within this culture that obviously does not like them. And so you get a di- often you get a different kind of story. Like you do get the, re- you do get the stories where it resolves in the last few chapters and then they're together. But sometimes you get stories where they're together early on. And then the actual struggle is against like the homophobia that they're experiencing mm-hmm. within their own sport. And then uh, the triumph happened, you know, it's coming, right? So like you can count on that. So you're willing to sort of go on this journey with them. There are also, and I don't have any by name, I apologize, but I've definitely read uh, books where it's like Shit's Creek, where homophobia does not exist. Like what if we imagine a sporting culture where two men could just be together on a team? Like there will be teams where all the men, it's like with WNBA. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like the hockey version or the baseball version or something of the WNBA where like all the players are dating each other and they're happy and together and like homophobia is not even a part of of that. And I I think that's such a there's so much beauty in that that romance novels allow for that sports itself does not. And to me, yeah, that's I'm going to gravitate towards that. I want to see that in the real world much, much more than I think I will in my lifetime. I can do this the second one, but like the first one where like they're really dealing with the homophobia. I mean, especially like in hockey, like like if there's a sports romance that like everyone loves. Have you read Rachel Reed's Heated Rivalry? I don't think I have, but I'm also terrible at titles. No, no. And it's fine. And the only reason I'd like raise it is because it they are like closeted like they're it's Ilya, I think, and Shane. And they've essentially like it, the book opens with them like like essentially like on the ice, like at each other's throats. Right. And then like it the next scene or whatever transitions and everybody like if I'm getting these details wrong, like I'm sorry, this book is beloved. Um they are they're like lovers and they've been like secretly hooking up when they're in the same town or the same city forever but like they're totally closeted and you know for me it's been like it's i i really like struggled with then like the news that like the nhl like banned like pride tape on like hockey yeah. sticks and like, I'm but just they took like, the World tiniest Cup, thing, right? The yes. tiniest thing. And they were like, not this. No. Yeah. And I really am fascinated by, like, I mean, I, and I mean, I'll just say it. Like, there's a way in which I find hockey romance in particular right now to be, like, almost like, I don't know. Like, it just seems real wrong. Like, I'm like, here it is, like, so wildly popular. It's super white. And, you know, I felt like that's something we used to talk about with hockey romance. Like, boy, it used to be football romance. And then all of a sudden it was hockey romance. And now that conversation just seems to be gone. And it's kind of like, well, what's our responsibility is, I mean, and I, I say responsibility is maybe the wrong word. Like, it's fantasy. Nobody has any responsibility. Write the books you want. But... There is part of me that's fascinated by the rise of hockey romance without the discussion about hockey as like sort of a problem. Yeah. I mean, you live in Chicago and they their NHL team has had horrific like abuse. I don't even say like reports of abuse that have um, within like the team against players uh, and oh, like I, t- like internal Oh, yeah. They hid uh, 
sexual assault against a player in order to not it was when they went to when they won the championship and they they admitted we did not tell anybody because we did not want this to hurt our championship run like just very wow uh, so yeah i find all the issues hockey it's so interesting that so many people love hockey romances um i do think racism is a big big part of that um it's a very white sport and so you don't have to worry about writing around that um but right right i think it's i mean this is just a problem in general though jen i think and if you're going to go into the sports world like i yeah i wrote a whole book about all the issues within sports um and i don't know i think there's so much wrong (laughs) with with sports and with like i read a book again i'm not gonna remember the name i'm so sorry but it was college football white quarterback uh and he was dating the coach's daughter who was amazing like she had been through a big trauma i think maybe her sister had died and she'd taken up um pole dancing and that was like her thing and um i loved this book i did not think i would read it loved it but you know i don't have like a high opinion of coaches um i have seen too much in my life um i try to start my idea of them starts in a neutral place and i try to start in a neutral place and move from there rather than i think most people start very high on coaches and so when they do something wrong it's like could they have really done that because they are they chose to be a coach um so like in this book she's the coach's daughter and like the dad's not perfect but he is a good man you know and i just there's some and i just have to ignore that i just have to be like that's a trope people love it they are not me they don't spend their days thinking about this. I'm not, you know, I love these two characters. I love what she did with this woman. I'm just going to run with it. But I do have to do a lot of that kind of work myself um, while I'm reading these books because there's so much in sports that is. When you look at actual sports, you cannot square what you're reading. So many sports romances, the athlete is the man. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm ready for this part because I love, love, love when it's woman. Well, I found myself thinking that it's a to me, I wonder if it's because it's like a shortcut to him having emotions. Yeah, because the season is emotional. You can build it right in. I think there's a second piece to that, though. Uh, Yes, absolutely. I think it's emotions. You're able to see like you're, you know, here's a man who feels joy and sorrow and literal pain and emotional pain. Like, well, and and that's no camaraderie of his friends and his team there. That's the part that I'm really fascinated by. So. Obviously, there's a lot of discussion in the world and there's a lot of discussion about whether or not this is actually a real thing or something that we need to worry about. But There's a lot of discussion in the world. And I think it's legitimate in many ways that men in America, specifically in the United States, struggle to make and keep friendships and maintain friendships, maintain communities of other men with whom they can be honest and have like valuable relationships outside of romance, right? And I think that, and that certainly becomes a burden, you know, if if you have a partner who is a man and you, it becomes the burden of women in a lot of ways in a relationship to build and maintain a community of friends for couples and children and to model friendship. And, you know, Jen and I have been talking about this a lot in general, but, you know, these kinds of burdens, and they do feel like burdens in a lot of ways, even though friends are not burdens, but like the work of friendship falls to women. But 
in these books, largely, especially when you're talking about huge book series where, you know, a, where characters are all, mo- it is almost entirely men on a team. So I'm thinking about like the, you know, Kate Meter hockey series or the Serena Bowen hockey series or, you know, even uh, Susan Elizabeth Phillips with, you know, football, Naima Simone with football. Like these books deliver a fantasy where men are carrying the water of friendship. Yeah. For the communities, right? So then what Naima's whole series is called like the WAG series, right? Well, wives and girlfriends. And they become the 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 wives and girlfriends become friends, but right. they are made friends and kept friends by a community of men who build build the community and do the work of keeping it there. Yeah, I mean, that seems amazing, honestly. Fantasy, right? Yeah. Like, if somebody else could plan what we were doing every uh, Saturday sure. night. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to dream. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> and I do think, like, that fan, if we talk about romance as, like, being a reflection of, like, what we want out of the world, right? Like, our our desires and expectations in the world, it's sort of impossible not to think about it in terms of what sports what sports romance does is really combat male loneliness. I mean, I hate that phrase, but you know what I mean. Yeah. No, that's really great. I like that idea. The other thing I was thinking a lot about, um, Bobby Knight died yesterday, day before, famous, what, Indiana? Famous angry Basketball. man. Yeah. yeah, like the angriest man, like a bully, like a just a true tormentor of his athletes, like, for me, I don't care that he won championships because he really had to belittle a lot of people to do it. Uh, and the way that I was just thinking about this, that there's a way that sports are just built to dehumanize athletes that like we sometimes do it with coaches. Like there are people auxiliary to sport that this will bleed on to, but it's mainly athletes. And I think part of being a sports fan, especially talk about angry male sports fans, is that they get to just yell whatever they want at these people to think whatever they want about them to really tear into them and unleash a lot of shit. Am I allowed to curse? Right. Yeah. Podcast? Oh, yes. Absolutely. Yes, unleash a lot of shit onto these athletes and you have to really not care about them as actual people um, in order to do that. And I think that's probably true just across the board, whether or not it's men or women as athletes. But I think you know, men tend to do this more. And so like, I think of someone like Bobby Knight, everyone wants to talk about the championships. And I'm like, all I want to do is talk about these athletes, <laughs> like clearly over and over and over again, uh, this man harmed. Uh, and there's something for me too, when like part of what we love about romance in general is characters, right? Just yeah. the character building. Um, and like Sarah talked about the world around them, but there's something so beautiful in some ways about like, you get these in-depth character studies of, people in sport uh, that's often stripped out of so much of what we think about when we think about athletes and you get to see their entire world. You meet their moms and you right. know, what they eat for breakfast and like what their dog's name is. And, you know, and <laughs> you can get that from profiles in sports media. Absolutely. We love to profile an athlete, but there's something else here where like as a sports fan, I love seeing a fully rounded it helps remind me that yeah. these are fully rounded yeah. people and that i often don't know shit about any of them in 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 real life and i think that's another thing that you're getting out of reading these novels that's something i'm getting out of reading 
I mean, I like a book with a lot of plot. I like a book with like a lot of stakes. And so, you know, they're going to march towards something the end of the season. They're going to right have to grapple with the idea of being traded or an injury or, you know, an accident. Uh, and so I feel like that's the other thing. The other reason I like them is, you know, I like I like a book where things happen and, you know, things are going to happen in a sports romance. And right, I feel exactly. really grateful for like the external structure that that is builds that right into the system. Deborah, that makes me, I also think I'm one of these people, I love when time progresses. Like, I'm not, I don't, my personal thing is I don't love like a, they meet and one week they're in love uh, and it's over. Um, I like when there's time and it builds. Yeah. yeah and like often built into, cause, because it's built around a season. It's not always true. Certainly. These, right. They appear in sports romances. There's more but, time. Yeah. Yeah. But there is something about, I think that's part of it for me, too, is that you often do, like you said, Jen, get like a season worth of stuff going on. Well, and also you can't discount, you know, we talk a lot now on the podcast about like the Venn diagrams of a lot of these tropes, right? Like, but part of the itch that sports romance can scratch is the celebrity piece as well, right? This idea that this, and it's not just larger than life celebrity, it's larger than life celebrity who has like, perfect like is per- technically perfect right like their body functions in like a perfect way and they're wanted by every human <laughs> right <laughs> right for whatever absolutely reason. i had and, written the word bodies in all caps yeah, <laughs> that's part of why people I love mean, like, sports romance because you just Jen yeah. likes to say it all the time that like part of the appeal of the sports romance is that they can like pick you up and spin you around and absolutely can have sex upside down and oh I Jen actually has, wait Jen I'm has all, like wait uh, that's on my list <laughs> not upside down but like a lot of upper body strength is on my list yeah have you and- there's an amazing SNL skit have you seen this I don't know it's about um <gasps> yes the football they, players yes where you hire the football players with the, the tiny men. And they bring the like big football players in to do like this the stuff. Kelsey brothers come and lift yes, you to up, lift you up to do all that part of it for the men who um, are unable to do that for their romantic partners. Like it's, it's such a it's such an idea that even SNL has even SNL up. realized like this is sexy. Yes. Um, we should name. I looked up your book was actually very easy to find about the pool. Well, I had dancer. told you about yes. it. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I helped. can Google that. No. And I was like, so it's, is this the right one? Quarterback sneak by Candy Steiner. Yep. You, the pole dancing woman. I enjoyed it very much. Yes. <laughs> this week's episode of Faded Mates is sponsored by L. Kennedy, author of The Gram Effect. And Jen. if you read the deal, Jen. <laughs> I mean, we both love the deal. And this is second generation. Graham, the hero of the deal, has had a daughter, Gigi. And Gigi has exactly three goals, Jen. I love how the romance first, generation is like five years long. Like how, old, how long ago is it's the deal? fine. Um, Listen, I am so ready for Daddy Graham. So, so ready. Anyway, or Daddy Garrett. Um, okay. One, she wants to qualify for the women's national hockey team. Two, she wants to win Olympic gold. And three, she wants to get out from underneath her famous father's shadow. So, so far, so good. She's qualified for the team. However, she needs a little bit of improvement in her game behind the net. And so she is paired up with Luke Ryder, who is (laughs) six foot five, built 
opinionated, rude, and sexy as hell. Now, listen, he is the co-captain of this hockey team. Wrap it up. I'm ready to buy, Sarah. He is a rival. They, He's got a summer coaching spot that he's angling for, and he needs Garrett Graham, the legendary Garrett Graham, to help him get there. Um, I'm guessing, like, Banging the banging the boss's daughter is not the best way to do that, but I believe in us, Jen. I believe everything's going to work out fine, and I can't wait. I'm like running to read. All right, the Graham Effect. Everybody is available in print, ebook, and audio in Kindle Unlimited. Um, Also, if you would like an exclusive paperback with extended chapters, is also available at Barnes and Noble. So, you guys, you're ready to hit that. It is The Graham Effect by L. Kennedy. Oh, I just wanted to slap shot that into the net, everybody. Woo! They're not the only ones slap shotting things. All right. We're going to stop now. Anyway. All right. Thanks to L. Kennedy for sponsoring this week's episode. So do we want to talk about books and then yeah. sort of like talk about some more things as we do Let's that? Do or it. Okay. I have some things. I, I do feel like there is some things like we've already talked about that. I don't have like great exa- I have examples of it, you know, for example, like I think if you really want that um that that celebrity, if you have if you like me love a celebrity, um that Sawyer Bennett hockey series, uh which is like the Cold Fury series, I think. All the hero all the names are all the books are named for men like just they're like read <laughs> or like writer sure. i don't think there's a writer but like they all you know and it is like the pure like basically like navy seals but make them hockey in the sense yeah. that which is like that is a real like kind of tro- it's not a trope but it is we can see that theme over and over again in romance but like there are just 10 of them they are one after another they're very they go down real easy and I actually have it, they. I listen to them on audio to and from school pickup because, like, they go down real easy and you don't have to remember. So, like, if you skip a day, it's fine. <laughs> um, but those are really fun. And there's my favorite one is Reed. And she is he is a hockey player who doesn't like the spotlight. And uh, mm. he's bought a very nice townhouse. And his next door neighbor is a uh, an emergency room doctor. And there's this great party. There's, a, I will say, there's a party scene in this book that I really love because it, sir, it, it delivers all of those like great moments where every player in the hot, uh, this is all the men on the hockey team have come to a party at one of their houses. I think it's a Stanley Cup, like they've won the Stanley Cup, and now they're at this like celebratory party, and they have all brought their partners with them. So again, it's that sort of like this party has been planned by a man for all of his men friends, and you just get to go and hang mm. out with all of these that people. Sounds nice. Great. So nice. And then someone from an older book goes into labor, and then the heroine, because she's an emergency room doctor, is like, I'm here. So there's a little competence porn happening mm, here. And then nice. he's like, oh, my God, I got a banger because she's amazing. <laughs> but she's busy <laughs> delivering a baby. a baby. Yeah. Mm, I love anyway. that. I did, when I was thinking about um, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey, it, I don't know why it hit on me, but like um, Kristen Callahan has a book called Make It Sweet, uh, which is about a former 
hockey player who is not okay with being a former hockey player. He's had to leave because he had so many concussions. This is my um, favorite, by the way. And his like archetype, like yeah. the Roy Kent of it all. Like, yes, well, do it yes, he, it is grumpy sunshine. And he is like his grandmother and her grandmother yes. are friends. I want to say and his grandmother owns this like amazing palatial estate yeah. outside of like Palm Springs, somewhere in California. Mm-hmm. And she is on like a Game of Thrones type of show and is about her character is about to be killed off. But most people don't know that. But she's in, she's very famous. Yeah. And she needs to go somewhere to figure out what's next in her life now that everyone's about to find out that her character has died. And so her grandmother's like, you should go stay with my friends. Yeah. You know, my friend who has this palatial estate just so happens that the hockey player is living there as well. He's also uh, a chef, right? And he's a baker. He's a baker. Yeah. He's a secret, secret baker. Uh, And so you just have these two people at this point in their life where they don't know where they're going. Um, And they're not sure what's next, but they've both been at the highest of highs in their careers. And he is really not doing well with the retirement, which is... um, Well, there's something really compelling about that idea, too, that like like all sports... At some point when you are at it's almost like when you are at the moment where everyone else in the whole world is just hitting their like super duper stride, you are too old. You are. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. the rest of us, yes. we hit 40 and we're like now we're like making now. our money and like comfortable in our job and right. feeling like we have some sort of plan. Maybe most of us, hopefully. But like not in sports. No, it's, isn't it the most depressing thing when you're watching? They're like, they're so old. They turned and they're 33 like last week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they're like, oh, gosh. And then imagine being 33 and like everyone in the whole world is like, well, now your life is you're over. You're done. Yeah. But you have 60 years. Yeah. Potentially. You got a long way to go. But so yeah. yeah. I have one that I can talk about that kind of relates to that, which is. I don't know what, or I kind of have two, but I want to save the other one. So one of them, it's funny because this is like a real old school one, which is, I really love this book, Lady Be Good by Susan Elizabeth Phillips about a golfer. His name is Kenny Travelers, right? Susan's name. favorite trope too. This yeah. Like and, retiring. Oh yeah. Trump. And he is actually not necessarily, he's off of the pro tour because he has like pissed off the, you know, whoever's in charge, who happens to be like his stepdad, of course. And what happens is this, this is all said in Austin, by the way, or like in Texas, Lady Emma, she's like literally a British aristocrat, like her dad was a Viscount or something, you know, who knows, <laughs> sure. gets, Susan. you know, set, yeah, is she's going to Texas to do some research. And essentially, Kenny gets tasked with like driving her around. But she does not realize that he is like this professional athlete. She just thinks he's this like the laziest man alive. Like he's just slow. Everything he does is slow. He just like, you know, wanders away from her. And she's like, you know, come on, Kenny. But the thing that I really like about this book is that the thing about Kenny is he was this phenom as a kid and he was really spoiled. So it really channels like that kind of jock archetype where he, 
you know, just was this spoiled brat who was awesome at golf and got all the attention in his family because of it. And, you know, he enters the PGA when he's really young and he has to really like make restitution for the kind of asshole that he was when he was younger because of the way people were like, well, you're great at this sport, so we're just going to lionize you. And I think it's like a really interesting way of, you know, I mean, it was like a, it, when I think about like a sports book that's like doing something interesting with like that character, it's like that golf has been this gift for him, but also this curse, right? It just came really easy, easily to him and he was great at it. And because of that, he got treated a certain way that turned him almost into a monster. And now he's trying to sort of like do the right thing. And it's it's like a really fascinating look at the way that like being a being brilliant at a sport can really fuck a man up, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Well, where do you go from here? Yeah. I like that. I have not read that one. It's from like the 90s. So it's definitely. Sure. But it is hilarious and it's great and i loved it this week's episode of faded mates is sponsored by isabel morin author of the whole truth okay so this one is for anybody who like maybe loved the love hypothesis and wants it to be a touch darker I think that one would go, that this will work for them. Audrey Donnelly is in her last semester of college, and it starts off with a bang, Jen. The best kind of bang. sexy grad student Jude Driscoll takes her to bed and shows her what she's been missing over the past four years. But obviously, there's a little push-pull here. They're super into each other. They have a ton in common. But he is a grad student, and she is an undergrad. And so there's a little bit of like, "Mm, is this the right thing? for us. But here's the thing. Audrey's in a journalism program and she has a plan to be a big time investigative investigative journalist. She gets a hot tip for her next article that uh, the star English professor at this university is preying on young women and Uh she decides she is going to break this story. Here's the problem. He's Jude's favorite professor and so she needs to kind of use the relationship with Jude or her her interactions with Jude to get herself kind of chameleoned into (laughs) uh, all of her investigations. And this makes it so that there's a little bit of a lie here. And maybe she hasn't told him everything that she needs to tell him. And is he as good of a guy as she thinks he is? I think it's probably all going to work out there. (laughs) Anyway. We love a book with secrets, right? So this has a big potential for everybody who loves, um, you know, those college romances where everything is so high stakes. Um, You can find The Whole Truth wherever ebooks are sold. Thank you to Isabel Warren for sponsoring this week's episode. Like, if you love a sport, it the book exists like i'm talking any i found a book today about curling like it's, what yes. It, yes and it's a it's a what do we ff how do we mm-hmm. what's the yeah. yeah 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 it's an ff um let me let me find it hold on i'm gonna tell you now that i've said it it's by rachel spangler i was actually i love her book edge of glory which is about two winter olympians um and so i was looking into like what other stuff she had written and she's written right. fire and ice which where one of the protagonists is the skipper on a champion olympic curling team like I literally if you love a sport someone has a, a romance for novel for you yeah so that is how i came to this episode because i was like we've done two sports episodes like we've talked about you know the big sports so i was like i'm gonna do 
books about sports that like people don't think about. Yeah. So I am going to start with one that I think is about to become very big, which is F1. I think we are about to come. I have. Up. A, I also have F1 one. Yeah. So I'm excited to hear which one you have. I, I mean, I just think like F1 is a, we, uh, just looking at the announcements of what gets everybody right. out there. Right. There's a newsletter that gets sent out every morning and it shows like what books have been purchased. And there are many, many F1 books that are coming in the next year or two. Well, I, li- I live in Austin where we have what is called the U.S. Grand Prix. There's actually three F1 races this year in the U.S., but Austin is the original U.S. one. Uh, and my friend, Dr. Amira Rose Davis, who loves sports romance novels and loves F1 sports romance novels, she and I went this year because we both are now addicted to the sport because of Drive to Survive on Netflix. Like We are part of that group. And like every year now, they're setting records for how many people are showing up to this it's not accessible. It's just track. It's way outside of town uh, because people love it. So that makes total sense to me, Sarah, that like people are clamoring for F1 what right now. So, oh, go ahead. Jen. Well, I was going to say, everybody, there is this a actual a small romance podcast called Racy Books where they only talk about <gasps> F1 romance. What? And it's Hannah Racy, Ernest. Here Racy I am Books. Down. Hannah Ernest, who is That's like a, a romance great author. name for the... I know. And my you friend guys, Kate, everybody go listen to that. There are two Chicagoans. Racy Books. God, Thank you, Jen. Listen, everything, Jen. I'm sorry. And you know what? I hate to say it because I've never really been a car racing person, but this summer NASCAR was in Chicago, and I was like, okay, that looks cool as hell. I'm sorry. Maybe you should I watch should... Drive to Survive. It will get I... you. Okay, it is I like guess I should. The soap opera version of F1. It's so well done. My dad, I my you may not know this, Jessica, but lots of listeners do. My dad was Italian. And we, I mean, like we watched F1 every weekend. Like that was what was on the television. Soccer. <laughs> excuse me football and and f1 and that was what was on i do think it's really interesting you said drive to survive and i mentioned ted lasso earlier and we've been talking about you know i think that there is something really fascinating about the interplay right now between uh what media what tv is happening or like what streamers are running and how it is impacting sports right i talked uh was it on the episode or on one of the Patreon episodes about the Beckham documentary and how like that has brought so much more attention to, you know, the Miami uh, soccer team and uh, and Ted Lasso. Like, so I do think and now Taylor Swift, you you brought this up at the beginning. It's not like it's not like American football was not a huge thing to begin with. <laughs> but one of my favorite genres of TikTok, and it speaks to what what we sort of really started with this this episode, is uh, women filming their partners as they say the words, it's so cool that Taylor Swift really put Travis Kelsey on the map. <laughs> and like, the partners just, poof, the tops of their heads fly off. Like, how could you possibly feel that way? But like, I think, and then the NFL no. has been absolutely playing into it too. Oh yeah, why would Taylor Swift is gigantic? Exactly, she's gigantic. Yeah, she's a, so I she's do a think force. this what's really fascinating right now. And and actually, a couple days ago, I saw there was an announcement of a pop star and a football player romance like of that course. was purchased. So I mean, like that's going to be a huge thing too. But anyway, I want to talk about. I'm getting. 
I'm getting uh, uh, past myself. I want to talk about Tamara Lush's Drive, which is a fe- an F1 romance. Um, the the hero, Dante Annunziata, Great is name. an Italian. Tamara's married to an actual Italian from Italy, and uh, she gets it right. Uh, <laughs> and so um, Dante is like uh, the most arrogant, most Italian, most like fantastic F1 driver in the world. And um, the team is sponsored by a particular kind of like, obviously it has a car sponsorship, but it also has um, uh, there's like a like a Michelin or like an American like product company, like a a car, a car company um, um, that is that sponsors this team. And the heroine, Savannah, she her father owns this company and she's trying to prove to her father that like despite being a woman in the racing world and in sports, she is good enough to be to ultimately take over. I think it's a tire company because she is a tire changer. I'm using all the wrong words here, but she is like in the pit, right? She's in the pit. Yep. And she changes tires. And so she gets this job on the F1 like she and basically everybody on the team, she's the only woman and everyone on she's the only American and the only woman and everyone on the team thinks she got this job via nepotism like because his da- her dad is a sponsor but she gets this job and she's like one of the greatest like she's so fast in the pit like it's great but she goes head to head with Dante every bit of this book because he begins the book a complete misogynist in terms of like you're a woman you're an American you're clearly you can't change my tires right <laughs> and like you're not going to be good at this and it is really great because I think it tackles a lot of the issues that we have been talking about, like what it means to be like a woman in a man's world, like of sport, what it means to have to like face all that. But also what I love about it is Savannah is extraordinarily skilled at her part of the sport. Of the job, right? Yeah. And... So we get to see it from both, like, he's obviously in the car and he's the showman, but, like, her skill is unparalleled. And mm. it's really, really fun to watch. And it's really sexy. And I think Tamara is a great writer, so. Right. And you have an F1 romance, too, yeah? I feel like I must have read that book, but now I'm going to go back and reread that book. That's one of the <laughs> great things about not remembering. Um, yeah, sure. These things are new. Yeah, I was going to talk about Redeemed by Lauren Asher, which is part of her, it's the final book in her Dirty series, Dirty Air series. Um, and mileage might vary on all, all these books, but this book is the final one, and it's the F1 driver, Santiago. He... It starts, you've known him now for three books. You get to the fourth book, you think, oh, he's going to be the world champion. And he has been in a horrific accident, lost his leg. And it's three years later, he's a recluse. And this woman, like, literally crashes into his house. Um, Not me, just writing this down. Yeah, I know. You're just, you're singing my song here. Redeemed by Lauren Asher. (laughs) And she is in, I think, I think he's Italian. And I think maybe Spanish. Uh oh. Um, And, She's gone there. She took a DNA test. Turns out that her dad lives next door to this driver. And then we get a fake dating trope. Um, they end up fake dating. But <laughs> you get like romance. Part of the, I know. I know. Like, uh, but part of what's 
really lovely is it's about Santiago like finding himself again. Um, and they talk a lot about his disability and the possibilities of him racing again, which I don't actually think would be true in real life. F1 has 20 drivers. It is so intense. Like to be a driver is just, it, there's maybe nothing more competitive. Um, F1 drivers are about to be the modern day Duke though. Like there yeah, are going to be are two everywhere. There will be a million of them. Um, <laughs> like to, for people who don't know this, like there has been a single black F1 driver in the history of the sport. It is Lewis Hamilton, the for me, the greatest driver um, in F1 ever. But like this, talk about like, it, it is a very exclusive sport. Very hard to break through. Um, but you get this like journey on of his to like get back to race it. And like, he doesn't want to. He's being pushed by his brother, brother-in-law, who is also an F1 driver, of course. I think his is book one. Um, but it's just really interesting to see. Throttled um, is that one. Yes. Um, to see them, Lauren, write about this disability within the sport and the possibilities. Not that I think that would be true in real life. Again, not that I think that'd be true in real life, but I like the idea of imagining that to be a possibility. I mean, I think that's the realm of romance, though, right? Like the fantasy of there's something really great about the fact that you can sort of wave away what would be real in in life. Uh, by yeah. the way, that's available in KU, everyone. I just bought it, so. Uh-huh. <laughs> and well, I, I want to tell you about a book that I feel like you both are going, like, this catnip. This is the catnip book. Oh, okay. I'm ready. Um, okay, so talk about a sport that you wouldn't consider, but surfing. And there's this is a book surfing. called Out of the Blue by Catherine Nolan. And I read this years ago. I just reread it because um, I was like, oh, I have to go on this podcast. I will that's reread this book so I love. you did your homework. Very yes. difficult so, work. <laughs> Y'all get ready, get ready for this. It's so good. So Serena Swift is a big time surfer. She is the athlete in this in this book. She um is just gotten a huge um like she's paired up with like Patagonia, like one of these outdoorsy yeah. things, and it's a big deal for her. It's actually whatever company would sell surfboards and sure. you know, wetsuits and that sort of thing. She's so excited, she's so happy. Um, and they've told her that they are willing to to like support all of her feminist causes within surfing. Like she's known as being the woman who speaks out against all the inequalities within the sport. Um, But they expect that she might get threatened, right? That Mm. that there could be a safety issue here. So she needs a bodyguard. Uh, Listen, Mm. I'm like literally like, (gasps) but wait for it. Wait for it. Also in KU, just downloaded it. (laughs) The bodyguard's name is Cope. And uh, name is I'm not, destiny. Name I'm is not, destiny. I'm not giving anything away because this is literally if you read the description. Right the back. Yeah, yeah. Um, they know each other because they are married, <gasps> but <What>? estranged, <gasps> and have been estranged for years. Listen, and so I love it. It is so good. And like part of what I love, talk about competency porn. Like you learn how she becomes what she has to do to be a great surfer. Like one of my favorite scenes in the whole book is she goes to training and you find out, of course, Cope's dad was a famous surfer who died rescuing someone in the surf. Um, so he's got his own shit around her being a big wave surfer. Um, but you, you go with her to training and she has to practice holding her breath underwater in case she gets hit by a wave and has to go underwater, which Catherine brings us up because this will come up later. Um, but you get to really check off, check off, check off breath. Pl- you know, <laughs> yes, exactly. But you really get to learn like the, the there's a real 
training here. Like this is a real expertise. You're not just jumping in the water and holding your breath for six minutes. Like there's a real thing that she has to do. Uh, and then you also get the just she's a feminist, like a just so upset about the way that surfers are treated women and um, marginalized surfers are treated within the sport and she's out there talking about it and she's pushing back and then there is someone threatening her so you get the sort of like the little bit of thrill with like what who is actually behind this what's actually going on and um I just love this book I just like it just like check 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 check, check. I I yeah. love books about surfing and there are so few surfing romances, so I'm definitely going to check that out. I've like read a yeah. lot of weird books about. There's a Vanessa North about surfers too, that I will find and mention later. Yeah, there's a. I think Georgia Beers has a FF one. I'm not sure I'll have. Everybody will just look at show notes, and the, there'll be a bunch. Um, okay, let me talk about. Or wait, Sarah, do you want to talk about your Reese Ryan? Because it's still an I my last two I do want to mention are like regular sports, not our like regular. I mean, it's okay. regular sports, it's, not that's like fine. You're allowed. You're allowed. <laughs> I mean, I'm happy to talk about the Reese Ryan one, but no, you go and then we'll come back around. It's called Double Up, by the way. Uh, the the uh, Vanessa North uh, surfing book. Okay, I want to talk about a book called Bounce Back by Nicole Falls, which is a WNBA romance. And I really, so this is part of a series. Um, Nicole is a Chicagoan and a friend of mine. And she's been, she's done like a five minute Firebird where we talked about the WNBA and how much we love it. And this is part of her series that she writes with a woman named Alexandra Warren called The Nymphs and the Trojans. They're like a Nashville NBA and WNBA team. And the reason. The Nymphs and the Trojans. I know. I love it. She's like, they just went all in on like sort of like this classical theme. But I what I really liked about this book, and I think that this is, it's set when, during the pandemic, in the WNBA bubble, which okay. I just think is Smart. also so fascinating to have a book. Like we've talked about like pandemic books, but here's a pandemic book that is really leveraging like this really fascinating way in which sports tried to like come back. And so um, the heroine's name is Micaiah Kennedy and she calls herself OBOT. And I don't know if I'm supposed to say that another way, because which stands for the old bitch on the team, because she actually has been only playing in Europe her entire career. And she's 33 and she has just gotten sort of the call up to be on the nymphs in the WNBA, like kind of mid season. So she has to like go into quarantine and enter the bubble and be, the old woman, the older, you know, the elder on the team and kind of her, um, you know, she's got this young hot shot kind of, you know, who doesn't want her there. And the the love interest is a trainer and his name is Vic. And the thing is, that's really interesting is she actually they were like childhood friends. Of course. So, you know, of course. of course. So she's kind of like they run into each other. And there's all of this, like, really great stuff about, like, I don't know, like, the bubble and, and like, what it was, you know, how desperately she wanted to be in the WNBA. You guys, there's only 144 women in the WNBA, 144 players. At and the so, most. Sometimes at the most. a little less. Yeah. yeah. And so it's, like, so intense. And, 
you know, her like getting called up and then like sort of and Vic is a single dad and his, you know, he married, you know, the love of his life. And she actually got cancer and died when she was died, got cancer, diagnosed with cancer when she was pregnant with their daughter and like gave birth and dies pretty quickly afterwards. And now this child is like eight, I think. And so the kid comes into the bubble, too. And because, you know, she was with her grandparents, but he kind of goes and gets in. And it's just like a really fascinating, like, I just loved the idea of like writing a book that is set at such a really specific time when sport was like, how do we stay relevant? And that is, of course, Micaiah's whole, like, am I still relevant as I'm, like, aging out of the sport and finally have this chance to be a rookie in, like, at 33, essentially. Um, it's awesome. And like I said, it's part of a series that I really like. But I also just really loved, I don't know, like, how specific it was about this time. And in a way that didn't, I don't know, like, there was, like, a lot of pandemic books that just felt, like, kind of silly to me. And this one felt instead, like, really brilliant. Yeah. So that's Bounce Back by Nicole Falls. One, I also have one where the her, the heroine is the sport, the athlete. Um, <laughs> this one is Reese Ryan's Playing with Seduction, which is, uh, I don't know what number it is. I think it's the third in a series that's set around a small town. Um and there is the main, the her, the hero is an event promoter who had was born and raised in North Carolina, and both the characters actually were were um, born and raised in North Carolina, and they both had. Um, I think what's really interesting about this is it sort of tackles that sports the sports story that we all know and sort of think of in the zeitgeist, the mythology of the. Um, the care the child who didn't have any other option right mm. and then they got the they got the the scholarship or whatever and they got out so to speak yeah. of you know they broke out the friday night lights mythology right so brie our heroine is a professional volleyball player she plays beach it. volleyball whoa yeah that's awesome i mean it's pretty great and so she is she is done it, like it is her she is the one who is like come to the end of her career she needs to retire and she has this plan to retire at this like massive tournament that is sponsored by like a high-end luxury resort so she's gonna go she's gonna play her final game and then she's gonna go off and like do her own thing um she gets the resort signs on to do this and they assign her a very, very fancy event promoter who has been in the United, who's been in the UK for a, a long, long time and been like successful in England. And he's coming home to North Carolina to be with her and he gets there. And it turns out that one year ago, these two had the hottest, like most intense one night stand and he peaced out. Ooh. But uh, -oh. uh, and she wants so she desperately wants to be like, get the fuck out. But she can't because she needs this man. Like she has this plan for like how her career is going to end. She has like this is like the beach volleyball Stanley Cup. Right. Like this is what's going to happen. Everyone knows that I am like an avowed Reese Ryan fan. I have read all of her books. I think she's amazing. This one is a little bit of a road trip romance. They actually like take a tour all around. They they end up having to like drive all around North Carolina to like 
you know, I don't know, vendor shit and like <laughs> like do all sorts. There are all sorts of reasons why they have to like they're putting it is months to your Jessica. You're going to love this. Like it is months that they are together, really falling in love. And um, he realizes pretty quick that he is in it to win it. But he also realizes that like he can't risk ruining whatever Brie has planned. So um, it's pretty great. In classic Reese form, there is, like, there are great, like, secondary characters. His mom is involved, and she's a super fun character. So it's just really fun. And also, I have never read a beach volleyball book. Yeah, that's and amazing. Yeah. Here we they are. All, there really it all is exists. It all one exists. for everyone. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's really true. Um, can I want to talk about a football book, like American yeah. football. Um, I have one after you, so perfect. Okay. Hopefully it's not the same one. There's so many. I I want to talk about another sport baking book, Fake It Till You Bake It by Jamie Jamie Wesley. Sport baking. Um, I just looked it up the other day. I was like, like, when does the second one come out? There's a fair amount of sport baking books, which is (laughs) my intersection. What do we think Competitive men just have to go on and do other competitive things. I don't know. I don't know. But part of why I wanted to talk about this is because there is a bakery here in Austin that was started, a cupcake shop that was started by NFL players. And I have been, I've gone there, of course. Uh, and Are so, they good? Yeah, they're good. They're part of a, they're like part of a chain of some sort. Um, but yeah, huge, you know, really the, one of those. Fun. So like, really Jamie has taken after you a series. Played a what sport they, for this long. Then you're like, I just want to shove cupcakes in my face yeah <laughs> yeah and there is something else. oh like, were you only supposed to want to do that if you played sports first? <laughs> well i'm saying they probably have resisted the urge for a while sure, sure yes but so you get i i think it's three football players here it's at least two but in this series there's i think there's three of the guys so i assume there'll be three books um but in faking fake it till you bake it the woman jada she has gone on like a bachelor type show and rejected the man at the last second and is like the everyone hates her it's how she perceives the world so that people are very very angry at her um and then you have this professional football player in san diego who is the owner of this um cupcake shop and she goes in with her friend and the first scene their their meet cute is when she's insulting the cupcakes <laughs> and he's very upset and then it's one of those perfect romance setups where he then goes to talk to the owner of the football team who happens to be a woman so it's like talk about dream that that's mm-hmm. a very rare thing and she just so happens i think it's her granddaughter needs a job for three months you know i can't remember the exact time period sure. would he romance mind? reasons right yeah would he hire her to work and of course, you know exactly what is coming. And so she shows up. The woman who has insulted his cupcakes, Jada, um, has shown up. It's His name is Donovan to the cupcake shop. And then they have to work together. And then on top of that, you get the fake dating trope where like mm-hmm. to re, to like bring attention to the cupcake shop, which is having trouble and to start rehabilitating her image. Um, you know, some reporter thinks that they're dating. And so they start fake dating and like all the things that you want in a romance novel um and i just there's something so lovely about these three guys caring so much about their cupcakes like one of the guys (laughs) is in charge of flavor and he's just like really dedicated donovan's like the 
he wants to make sure everything's running smoothly. Right. All He's the time. like kind of running the business. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and there's just that part of it is just so lovely. And the fact that there's actually like I can drive 25 minutes and go to the, the shop um, and 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 see it. And when I was there the day I went like school group, like a group of kids had shown up and like one of the players came out. I was there with my mother-in-law and I was like, oh my God, that's one of the players. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She, she just wanted to eat the cupcakes with me, but um, like, that was really fun. (laughs) I was like, oh, this football player is showing these kids around a bakery. Like I just, there's something just so lovely about that. Yeah. Right. Yes. (laughs) And like, and then adding in the bachelor element and like what that would be like to be a woman moving through the world where people think you chose incorrectly and she has people yelling at her on the street about it she's kind of just walking around waiting for someone to be mad at her um it's just a really lovely blend of all these things so thank you jamie for writing about the cupcake football players (laughs) yeah the next i actually the other day was like when's that next one come out because i like the first one too and it's not till i think next spring maybe so oh wow you have time we have time everybody okay this week's episode of faded mates is sponsored by avon books publishers of julie murphy and sierra simone's a holly jolly ever after so in this holiday romance, we have Callan Liebermanis. He's always been the funny one. He was a member of a boy band called Inc. And he had his 15 minutes of fame, but then moved back home, opened a pizza joint, and just is like living his life, right? Hooking up with bridesmaids at his friend's wedding. But then an old sex tape of his gets released and Callum is back in the spotlight. And this time, he's starring in a sexy Santa biopic for the Hope Channel. Meanwhile, Winnie Baker did everything right. She married her childhood sweetheart and, like, sort of didn't get involved in all that. She even waited until after marriage to have sex. But her perfect life also falls apart. And she is also going to join this steamy Christmas movie with Callum. So they have a decade of old Hollywood history between them. Um, A new situation that is leaving them hesitant. Um, But... What are Winnie and Callum going to do as they learn about pleasure and being great partners? Um, well, I check it out. They figure it out. Of course uh, they do. You can read A Holly Jolly Ever After right now in print, ebook, or audiobook. And thanks, as always, to Avon Books for sponsoring this week's episode. So I have an NFL book as well. And I part of the reason I picked it is because I was really interesting. There, there's a gambling angle, Ooh. and so and I was like, I just thought this was interesting as like sports book apps are now you can like gamble your life away on your phone. Which please don't do that, everybody. It seems very dangerous. So um, it's called Two Minute Warning by Alexandra Warren, and um, in this book. And I really like this, too. So his name is Kendall Dogwood. But, of course, everyone calls him Snoop. Snoop Dogwood. And um, he was the backup quarterback on this fictional, I think, Houston team. I can't remember, like, the Sky Riders or so. I can't remember the name of the team. But it's, like, the Houston, a Houston NFL team. And so he, um, like, kind of took over and had a pretty good season, like, kind of came off the bench with a, like, a, uh, like, and was great until, like, he threw this, like, like, the an interception everyone will remember forever or like some kind of turnover 
And so it kind of he went from being like the hero of this team where like, you know, all of a sudden he turned their season around to like now he essentially has to try out again to be the quarterback against the guy who was there before. Right. So it starts off in the preseason with him like kind of in this thing. And he meets this woman, Kiki, her real name's Shakira. And he's it's really they have this like there's a lot of super cute banter in this book like a lot of sexy banter too and anyway they like kind of you know kind of hit it off but what he finds out is that her father and she's just like a social media influencer she's just you know makes money because she's like beautiful and does all this stuff and so everyone's like watching them like right kind of fall in love but what he finds out is that her father is a essentially makes money by gambling on sports and he's like a like a big name in sort of sports gambling and so his friend is like you can date her but you cannot have anything to do with her father and so he just really because he's like immediately everyone will assume that you you know what i mean anything that goes wrong i mean it's like really dangerous for you talk about great stakes though like that was risky business yes and i was like this is what i want like the stakes are sky high so although their like romance is pretty like okay like you know what i mean like they get each other and they're vibing and you know they like they have great sex there's like a really funny scene i don't want to give away right after they have sex where she texts she th- i'm gonna give it away every day sorry like yeah. skip forward 15 seconds because i like laughed out loud she's like she gets on the phone and like i'm gonna text my friends and be like i hit that and it was great and she accidentally texted him and so then he comes <laughs> perfect <laughs> and i was like listen this is everything i want in a book i literally could not love this book more and then so the first time he she her dad just like shows up he like kind of takes off really fast and she's assuming it's because like oh he didn't want to meet my dad <laughs> Right, like it's so soon. Yeah, that's this is okay. Every person who's like misunderstandings are stupid. This is the kind of misunderstanding that works perfectly. Yes. So she's like, oh, he he just—it's too early in our relationship for him to meet my dad, and he's like, no, I can't meet your dad. Like the and and it's Mm -hmm. really, I would say, one of the books I have read most recently where I have been like, now this is conflict. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Actual. And he gets into big trouble and starts losing. And now, like, she's kind of like, wait, what's happening with my dad? And why is he showing my house beat up? It's so good. And I was like, this is a book that really understands, like, the stakes are through the roof. And it's all so fascinating and really driven by, like, Again, like this idea of like your legacy and your loyalty to your team and yourself and how, you know, like who can ask you to do what. And it was it was a great book, everybody. Also in KU. Wow. So that's Two Minute Warning by Alexandra Warren. These are wonderful. I did want to mention that there is we recently had two big YA novels um about sports like tally hibbert just released highly suspicious and unfairly cute and um it's a football player the guy's a football player um and then we had rebecca weatherspoon's her good side where the girl in high school is a basketball player and her moms are WNBA players and they have like pressured her to play basketball but she wants to be a chef um this made me think so i i realized that i just was in la Last weekend, gone to the Rip Bodice and just saw Talia Hibbert. Before yeah. you, 
Oh, go ahead and say that because I have one I want to mention to an, another YA romance, but tell that story first. Oh, I, was, I so I had um, I just was in L.A. I went to the Rip Bodice, as you do. And they had Talia Hibbert's book. I think it's a book club book maybe for them. And I looked at the back and I was like, oh, gosh, she wrote a YA about a football player. Like, um, how amazing. But this made me think about a book that I was going to that I wanted to mention. Go ahead. And this is I think I need your like, I feel like I might say the name wrong. So this made me think about a book that I read years ago called There's Something About Sweetie by Sandeya Menon. Uh, and Sweetie, I, I actually listened to the audiobook. I loved this book. Like I wanted to read everything by her after I read this. Sweetie is a track star in California, but she's like a fat brown girl who is just constantly working against her parents, other people. Mm -hmm. They don't believe that she's as good and as fast as she is. But she's also just the most delightful. Like just, I loved everything about Sweetie. Um, and so like, I kind of like the, the, I looked it up. The guy's name is Ash and like, I kind of remember him, but like, I remember sweetie and I just was so happy to read. And it's just a sweet book. I love just the banter. I mean, part of that might've been the audio book of it all, but like, I loved the banter. Definitely go listen to this. If you have the opportunity, I'm sure that I got it from my library, um, on Libby or something like that. But I just love that we have these YA sports romance novels with, I think in all three of those books, they are fat girls, like moving through Mm -hmm. the world in these bodies and in two of them, they're athletes. And I just think that's just something I wish I had had (laughs) when I was a big girl moving through the world. Yeah. Well, let let me add a, a book that will, I think, fit in with that, like in terms of you know, this body I have, which is uh, last year, I went to a YA romance conference in Las Vegas and saw a transgender author named um, Z.R. Eller. And Z.R. has written a book called um, May the Best Man Win. And in this book, um, Jeremy Harkness is a trans boy who's a senior, right, who just transitioned but Jeremy used to be the cheerleading captain who dated like the t- the homecoming king, like or the 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 like all star all star football player Lucas, and so now they're seniors and they like they broken up because I think Jeremy was like I have to break up with you to come out as trans, and but like he's also like listen, I'm going to make some noise. I'm not going to let people like sort of push me into the corner. And so Jeremy decides to run against his ex-boyfriend, Lucas, for the title of Homecoming King. And if this is not like the YA, like romance, like we have all been waiting for, right? And so Lucas is like, has been going through some stuff on his own. I think his uh, sibling died. You know, he lost his girlfriend, who's now a boy. And, um, you know, and now this guy's trying to steal his like homecoming crown, right? And so I just thought it was, you know, all about rivalry, but also, of course, all about love. And the fact that we have like trans authors writing trans romance, right, for that includes sports and, yeah, and you know, sports, kind of, the, yeah. right, the way we feel about ourselves and our bodies as we play sports, I just think is, again, like, what a time to be alive, right? 
Yes. And this, I saw this author speak and just was really won over by the way he talked about like why he wanted to write this book and how important it was um, just to like sort of tell this story. So that is May the Best Man Win. Great title. Like perfect title. Wow. Well, listen, through about half of this uh, podcast, I have been trying to remember the name of a book that I recently read where the hero was so into the heroine, but also so competent in sports that he realized he had no question that he could do both, like have a have the heroine and also have the sports. But everyone else around him was not sure about this. And so he ended up getting benched. And then I remembered it's like episode three of the Beckham documentary. <laughs> I love so, that. And that, so there it is. If you're also just looking for something to watch. <laughs> well, I mean, it's so fascinating to me at the Beckham diary, like, or Beckham documentary that the, the scene of him dancing with Victoria has like been this thing that's ever, cause they just look so sweet together. You're they talking about celebrity, so celebrity yeah. athlete, like, you know, yeah. for but those of our generation. Was like, that was so romantic and what was it? And he like stopped the bench. And what was that? <laughs> it was like, just David Beckham. It was, it was David just Beckham. David Beckham's real life. So. Oh. It's it's possible. <laughs> you know, my back to Travis Kelsey, my husband, who I recently found out has over seventy fantasy football teams. Everybody, it's fine. Fifty of them, he says, are just you like set them and a forget lot of them. Romance novels, though. I know that's why I said to him. I'm like, I'm not judging you how many romance novels I have. It's fine. Fifty of them are just the, like set them and just forget them. Stresses me out. He is or like the- actively managing like twenty fantasy football teams. He loves it. But he the other day was like, he's like, Do you know about like this Taylor Swift person dating Travis Kelsey? And I was like, I try not to, but yes. Listen, never heard what of her. I love I'm aware. Is like it's bringing people together. It's bringing us together. Like, across the United States, there are plenty of couples where they just don't talk about the things they're into. And right now, so many of them are smashing their interests and also hopefully other things. I feel like I do want to thank the WNBA, though, because I have found like this is the sport like we enjoy together. Right. Like we go to these games and we have a great time and like it's like a real like kind of ongoing source of conversation. Like we just hired Teresa Weatherspoon to be our next I'm coach. I'm so excited about I that. I love I'm so Spoon. excited about that. Yes. And, you know, like it just feels like such a, you know, we're, you know, we're talking about the WNBA draft coming up and it's just awesome to kind of feel like um, I've never really felt I could be a part of that world. Right. Mm-hmm. And he is, you know, it's funny, there was this great tweet the other day that was like, if you want to know something about like a man, like ask him what he thinks of the WNBA. And my husband just like loves it. He loves the WNBA. And I told him yeah. about that dumb man who was like, oh, yeah, a high school boys basketball team could beat the WNBA. And he just was like, that's ridiculous. And I was like, reader, I married him. That's mm-hmm. how I felt. Oh, I, did. I love that. Can I tell you a story that you could totally cut? That it's just a no. Teresa Weatherspoon story. Oh, yeah, please uh, do. So I am working on a dissertation right now at sports studies at UT, and it's about the UT women's basketball team in the 1970s. And so behind me, let's see if I can get my finger in it. No, that woman over there with she's on the Great Wall of China and she's doing the Longhorn sign. Um, I think that was 1978. She was the first black female athlete at UT and she played basketball. Her name was Retha Swindell. And so she's one of the main people that I'm looking at because I'm interested in the racial integration as well as the gender integration at UT in the 1970s. Uh, 
And so I was preparing to go interview her. And so I'm just reading like everything that I can. And after she left UT, she played a little bit of pro ball and then went into coaching like a lot of the women actually did um, from those teams. And she coached Teresa Weatherspoon. <laughs> and like, I, so she's like, yeah, I coached a little bit in Houston. And I was like, you you coached Teresa Weatherspoon, right? And she was like, yeah, I did. And she told me, and I haven't actually done it yet, but when Spoon was um, inducted into the Hall of Fame, she mentions Retha in in her speech. She's like, I, so she mentioned me in her speech, but I was just like, wow. Like, I just love the legacy when you're, you're like, you can see literally how these things worked. Um, but that, I was like, I'm one degree away. Yeah, <laughs> that's so cool. <laughs> I mean, at the at the WNBA finals, like seeing Dawn Staley, like right, go back and see her players, right, that she coached, or right, just I mean, I I just think it's yeah, you guys, if you're the WNBA is fucking awesome. That's all I have to say about that. Yeah, it's I'm so jealous. Like one of the hardest things about living in Austin, we have obviously a great collegiate, yeah, school. You know, I certainly. Uh, we'll go watch some of those games, but we don't have professional sports here, which is part of why I was like, oh, soccer? Sure. sure. I will. Yeah. I, I'm, my husband was willing to go in all in with me. He's not a sports person. Um, we also happen to live very close to the stadium, so it's convenient. But I would, there's lots of reasons why I don't think the NWSL will come here, um, in part because Texas is a, not a great place to <laughs> be sending women at all. Uh, but man, I would love it. Like, I was like, I'm, you know, praying. I'm like, please, because I'm with you, Jen. Like, I just love what it feels like to attend women's sporting events. And I would just give anything. Like, we used to have a WNBA team in San Antonio, which is now the Las Vegas Aces. Uh, and they moved years ago. But there was like a little blip in time where I went down for a few games in San Antonio. But the closest one now is Dallas. And it's two and a half hours away. And it's like just too much. But during the summer, if I travel to us, like I've seen the Atlanta Dream, um, I'm trying to remember. I feel like there's another. Well, team come that to I've Chicago seen. next summer because we have. I great know. Seats. <laughs> That's, I'll oh. be like, I'm sorry, Daryl, you can't come. Jessica can't come. here with me this week. You know, I, this is one of my gripes, just with women's sports in general. You can't get jerseys, yeah. and my husband loves Allie Quigley, and so for like two years, I was like, I'm going to get him and Allie Quigley jersey and I'm going to get myself a Courtney Vandersloot jersey because they played together on the Chicago sky and I was like this will be the cutest thing in the world <laughs> and then he will have a Quigley jersey and you just couldn't yeah they won the championship and I like couldn't, couldn't get them get yeah. them and I was just it's like just this leaving money on the table I know what I know hell? and now go and to now eBay Vanders go to Etsy somebody on Etsy is making them I know it's true but <laughs> now now Quigley is not playing right now in Vandersloot's with the Liberty, so that moment is is gone. But halfway we were through big. Game Four, I switched. I was like, I love Courtney Vandersloot, so I was like, I'm gonna gonna vote for you know, I'm gonna root for the Liberty, and then I was like, oh no, Aces all the way. I just yeah, like, boom. <laughs> I was like, sorry, Courtney, you are not enough weight to like kind of pull me away from whatever magic is happening over here. But yeah, so the Sky were my husband's team there for a little bit, so he was deeply invested in in yeah, Ali Quigley. I know it's true. Well, Jessica this Luther, so thank fun. you so much for coming. Yeah, thank and you hanging so out much. with us and talking about sports romance and sports in general with us. 
Um, if you want to learn more about Jessica or hear more from her, you can listen to her podcast, Burn It All Down. I assume all the episodes are still available. They we'll are. Links in show notes. Um, she has two brilliant books. The first is Unsportsmanlike Conduct, College Football and the Politics of Rape. And the other is Loving Sports When They Don't Love You Back, Dilemmas of the Modern Sports Fan. Jessica, where else can people find you? On social media, my handle is Jessica W. Luther. I technically have a Twitter account, but I haven't logged on in quite a while. But I'm on Blue Sky now, feeling it out. But Instagram probably would be the best place. But um, if you want to get in touch, if you have a book that I should read and you need to tell me about it, you can always go to my website, which is jessicawluther.com and email me there. And I would be happy to email with you about (laughs) sports romances that you love. This is Faded Mates, everyone. I'm Sarah McLean. I'm here every Wednesday with my friend Jen Prokop. Uh, you can find us at fatedmates.net and in your ear holes every Wednesday, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on Instagram at fatedmatespod, at Twitter still at fatedmates, blue sky, fatedmates.net, and threads. Uh, at Fade Mates Pod. We're sort of all We're in trying. all places and in no places. Um, but if you love listening to us, you should also join our Patreon, fatedmates.net slash Patreon. We have an amazing, very vibrant Discord. Um, and also you get to hear us banter once a month in your ears. So, thanks so much. We hope that you are watching sports, reading sports, loving sports, and uh, find your local women's sports teams. 